Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome in to episode 73 of The Grid, the show that woke up early today for realignment. Some of us earlier than others. I'm Gabe Myers. Join with me today, as always, Mike Foreman and Mike. It was a shocking day in Victoria for realignment today. Uh, that, yes, putting it mildly, I think, for uh, both uh, Victoria East and Victoria West, uh, you know, we, we were kind of prepared for East. Yeah, East, I don't know if yeah. it was shocking, but yeah. West, it West, was, uh, wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, uh, I I would say that I don't want to say it couldn't have gone worse because it can always gone, <laughs> go, go worse. But it, let's put it this way. It was not exactly uh, what they would have hoped for. This is so – in case you live under a rock or you haven't heard, the expectation for Victoria West come realignment, Victoria West and East separated. East stayed up in 5A Division One. West dropped down to 5A Division Two because that's where their enrollment had them. Okay, all good so far. Luckily for Victoria West, six of the CCISD schools also dropped down. To, or no, five, my bad. Five of the CCISD schools also dropped down to 5A Division Two. West has been in district with those schools since the 2018 season. So we're thinking, okay, West will be in there with CCISD schools. Gregory Portland's also a 5A Division II. They'll be in there as well. Potentially Alice, they went up to 5A Division II. So we're thinking, okay, the CCISD schools, Gregory Portland, Victoria West, and potentially Alice, we thought we could just pencil that in as a district. We, we, you know, we joked we could just write that in pen. No, you know, that just seems really, really easy. Alice was turned out not to be in that district. A little surprising, but not, you know, they are a little bit out of the area. So it's okay, okay. But that six-team district is the five CCISD schools and Gregory Portland. Victoria West instead goes up to San Antonio with San Antonio Alamo Heights, Veterans Memorial, Harlandale, and San Antonio McCollum, along with Bernie and way out there, Kerrville Tyvee. So this was, I mean, you talk about potentially couldn't have gone worse, but also just shocking. And for me, I, sh- I struggle to find the logic behind that district placement, Mike. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I, am, I am surprised too. Although, uh, you know, you never know what the UIL is going to do uh, in realignment. Um, I'm, you know, I'm surprised unless they uh, felt like uh, – I, I just don't know why they wanted to take West over there. Um, and, and so to me, th- th- these are the reasons it doesn't make sense to me. So one, if it was going to be one six-team district and one seven-team district between District 13 and 14. One of them would be six, one of them would be seven. Whichever one had West would be the one that got seven. West is a lot closer to the schools in District 14. You know, in some cases, half the distance to the schools in District 14 but they put them in District 13 instead. And this is a move I would understand if, in the non-football sports, West was playing those San Antonio schools. And it's like, okay, we want to keep the district continuity. Still don't know if that would be the best reason, but if that were the case, I could go and follow the logic right there. 
but East and West in the non-football sports actually went up to Region 3 into <laughs> District 22. They're going to Fort Bend to play Fort Bend Kempner, Fort Bend Marshall, Richmond Randall, Lamar Consolidated, and Rosenberg Terry. So you talk about just a doomsday scenario for East and West in the non-football sports going up to Fort Bend. That's, uh, I mean... That was about the doomsday scenario right there because that that's it's going to be really tough to compete with those schools. Well, the only thing I can figure is they looked at it and maybe there there aren't as many five A Division one schools in the valley as there were, and uh, so that's why they took Alice down yeah. to the valley. Well, yeah, the valley has a shortage on five A D one. Yeah, so that is a hundred percent. And I think that may have affected it. Or five A D two, we mean. Yeah, so uh, I think that may have affected it, and that's why they took Alice down there. Once they took Alice down there, they probably said, "Well, we can. We'll just take Victoria to San Antonio uh, area right there." And uh, you know, I don't know the logic. We did speak with the uh, VISD athletic director Spencer Gant, and he said they are considering an appeal. They haven't made one as of this afternoon. Um, those appeals are hard to win. Yeah, explain, because you explained yeah. it to me earlier today. Well, explain to me what would need to this happen is, for West to win that yeah, appeal. Yeah, what Spencer, uh, again, said for them to be successful was they would have to get the consent of the district they were placed in and the district where they want to go. In other words, the Corpus District and the San Antonio District uh, would have to give them the okay. If that, if they don't do that, they can appeal it again to the state executive committee, and they they could say their uh, the reason for their appeal is based on travel, uh, just the expense part, right? Of it. The travel part of it, because uh, when it comes to competitive, you cannot appeal on a competitive basis. So, but the problem with that is, in a six or seven team district you have either three or four road games a year in football. And that's not that much travel, you know, to where they would see it. Now, if they would have – now, I think they'd have a better chance if, say, they had taken them and put them in that Corpus District in basketball. Mm -hmm. Then they'd have a logical reason maybe. But the fact that they're going to Fort Bend – in uh, basketball and other sports, doesn't I don't see them winning that appeal. Yeah, so this is just this was something we really didn't see coming. It it felt so cut and dry to us that yeah. West would be in in with the Corpus schools, and we you know we'd see them in Miller. They'd play Gregory Portland, and some matchups we're very very familiar with. Instead, we're getting some brand new you know some brand new blood down here in Victoria and. You know, Kerrville, Tyvee's perennially excellent. Bernie's a very, very good program. Alamo Heights is really well-run athletic department, been good for years. Veterans Memorial is a team that's on to come up over in San Antonio. Harlandale actually had a solid season last year. So this is not an easy district that Victoria West is joining. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, let's face it, uh, if they want to compete, they're going to have to raise the level of their play. And, uh that's something they uh, they have to, to really concentrate on. And, uh, of course, it'll be the same thing for East. Yeah, so we, that's a good transition right there. We'll go over to East. East, it was, you know, we were looking at it, and it felt like there was one or two options. Will they go up to 
will they go up to Houston? Is that something they would do? Or will they go into the kind of the North San Antonio area with, you know, and Seguin's in there as well. Those, those kind of felt like the two, the two options for East, they went the San Antonio route. So they stay in region four and their district. I mean, you talk about a tough district. How about the, uh, the, uh, a finalist in five, a division one from 2023 <laughs> Smiths and Valley. Uh, they're, they're right there at the top of that district. Bernie Champion, another, you know, historically really, really good team. San Antonio Piper, a program on the come up who's coming off an excellent year. They actually reached the uh, the regional semis last season. Piper's really, really good. They beat, actually, San Antonio Davenport, who made the regional final last season. Uh, San Antonio Wagner is a very good program. New Braunfels, a really good program. So, a tough district oh, east yeah. of Jordan and uh, uh, Seguin rounds out that district. My favorite barbecue places in Seguin. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm making that trip, Mike. <laughs> but this is, I mean, we talk about the toughness of West District. This is, I mean, th- this is a very, very tough district that East and Charlie Reeve have found themselves in. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, with Smithson Valley leading the way, I mean, yeah, very, very tough And Piper is a program on the yeah. rise as well. Yeah, Piper had a great year. And, I mean, just all those teams, really, in that district uh, have played good football. Um, you know, I'm sure uh, Charlie Reeves very much aware of it. And, uh, you know, I guess he's been kind of preparing himself for this. But, yeah, uh, every time I've talked to, to, I've talked to Coach Reeves, he's – he expressed me, you know, it, he said, there's only two scenarios. I don't think any of them are really good. For for East, there was no – I was telling someone this earlier today. There was never any, like, oh, this is easier than the other. It was like – you were. it was really a rock or a hard place was the situation East was in. And now they know where they are. And when I talked to Charlie earlier today, that's – you know, that's what he said to me. It's like, look, we knew it was going to be tough wherever we went. Now we know where we're going. And we have to, we have to raise our level of play. We have to get ready to play uh, – an increased level of competition. And that that's the mindset Reeve has taken into this realignment, just knowing the whole way, hey, this was going to be – it was going to be tough. We don't know how it's going to fall, but it's going to be tough either way. Yeah, and they – you know, he, he – anticipating that, uh, of course, they had the good sophomore class, and those guys will be juniors next year, and they're going to have to really improve because uh, week to week, you know, it's going to be – you're not going to have any – you know, you – Let's face it, last year, to be truthful, there were some weeks where they, you know, they played opponents that didn't have the talent that they Th- There's did. some wins on the schedule. Yeah, and, and uh, this in this situation, really, there are no guaranteed wins. You have to go out and play every week. And um, that's something where it would be interesting to see, you know, if they can raise their, their level. And I think it starts – it starts right away because off season you now the mindset is totally different. I mean, you know that you're going to have to produce every Friday night. Yeah, for East, you mentioned that great sophomore class, and they do they do have a really good one. Casey Coley was our all area yeah. newcomer of the year, and they got some other guys like Caleb Alvarez and Khalil Prater who are really really high level performers. What I'm looking at for East is they're losing a lot of playmakers. They're losing their starting running back, Jaden Williams. They're losing Nigel Prater, who was a do-it-all guy and scored a bunch of touchdowns for them this past year, an explosive player. And they're losing Bryson Ortega. You know, they're all seniors. So replacing that playmaking ability, Joe Soto on the defense as well, a guy with his nose always around the ball. They're lo- I think they're keeping a lot of like the – 
a lot of the foundation of the team, but they're losing the playmaking ability, and that's something that they're going to have to figure out how to replace go, going into this year. I'm int- I'm curious to see what Charlie Reeve does, what, you know, what it's going to look like this year, which of those players are going to, you know, are going to step up. He told me last season he liked the depth of his running back room. So I think next season we're going to, you know, get a yeah. chance to see that on display a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, uh, gosh, uh, you just look at uh, not only that, uh, you know, just – just going and then going from there to basketball and but and you know track and field and uh, going with Fort I mean Fort Bend Marshall yeah I mean. and going with that kind of competition you know it, it's it's going to be tough I mean uh, I don't know about baseball you know that may be the one sport yeah. that uh, actually uh, they they may have an advantage in although uh, Lamar Consolidated has had good baseball teams yeah. and. Uh, you know, so I don't think anybody's going to be a pushover, but uh, yeah, the, the, it's just the what it is is now you know this is what it's going to be, so you really have to prepare to you know if you want to compete, you're going to have to raise your level. That's all there is to it. Yeah, so this is I mean for East, I mentioned for East, the thing I want to see is the playmakers, those guys stepping up. For West, I you know, the one thing I've said about West in the past is I love the pace they play at is really high level and they I don't doubt their ability to generate points, voice an offensive guy does a good job of that. The level of play at the line of scrimmage, that's what's going to need to take if they want to be competitive in this district now that they're in going forward. That's what's going to have to take a step up going from the Corpus schools where you know, like you said, a lot of those teams just couldn't match up physically. Where now, West, they're going to have to take a jump physically, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because that you know that's something that they struggled with, you know, the past couple of years going up against some Corpus schools. You know, playing Brownsville veterans in the playoffs a couple of years ago, Miller in the postseason last year. Now going and playing into San Antonio, into that really really tough district with Kerrville, Tyvee, and Alamo Heights, and Bernie Champion. That's going to be the defense is going to need to make some massive leaps if West wants to experience the level of success they had, you know, the last couple of years. Well, really, the bottom line is that they're probably not going to out-athlete anyone. No. Um, and that, there were instances in this Corpus District where they could do that. East and West both. Yeah, and so uh, the fact is uh, that that means your fundamentals, you know, uh, your, your schematic, your game plans, all those become very important now because, like, uh, you know, you can't just go out there and win on talent. Yeah, so this is going to, I mean, a shocker today in realignment. And, we, you know, when we came out, <laughs> it, it, when this came out, I was I, I was kind of blown away. I was sitting next to Spencer Gann. He, before I can get to the page, he said it. He said, it was war with, West with San Antonio. And I was just like, you're kidding. Like, yeah. that was my – that was my first reaction. I got there, and by the time I kind of got to the page, Gant was walking out the room because they had, you know, they had some things to figure out, and yeah. it's it's a move I struggle to see the logic behind, but it's probably going to be the reality for West for the next couple of years on the, uh, on you know, on the gridiron. So this is a 
a bombshell in realignment today. Mike, you say this is a season unto itself, and today was the Super Bowl, and it it did not disappoint here locally. Yeah, it was quite the the surprise. Yeah, quite quite the surprise for us. But East and West were not the only teams that had big news in realignment today. Plenty of area teams, a lot of moving and shaking today. We're going to listen to this message from White Trash Services and then get into what other things happened in the area today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Episode 73 of The Grid. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. All right, we are back. Episode 73 of The Grid, and a lot of moving and shaking in the area for realignment today. And, Mike, I don't know if anyone was happier today than Robert Jones from (laughs) Bay City when you talked to him this afternoon. Bay City and El Campo moving down to Region 4, going into District 6, going into District 15, along with Calhoun and Beeville. So that becomes a really fun district for us to cover in the, for the next couple of years. And for El Campo and Bay City, they get out of, they get out of Region 3 and they don't got to go through the East Texas gauntlet to go through the postseason now. Right, uh, yeah. The, both uh, Robert Jones and Travis Reeve, when I spoke to him today, uh, they were pretty happy. They, they really didn't hide it. Uh, you know, they both, I think, went up to Houston to get their packets thinking that they'd be with, in Region 3 with most of those schools. And, uh, nope, that's not going to happen. Um, it, uh, Calhoun, you know, when uh, Richard Whitaker came to Calhoun, they were in that district with uh, El Campo and Bay City. So they've had some experience there. Um, the one thing, the downside is the travel. Lots of travel. I mean, that trip from Bay City over to Lavernia, that's a pretty good hike. Same with Floresville. Um, Floresville especially. Yeah, that's a a good hike. So, uh, But uh, competitive-wise and athletic-wise, I think it's a great benefit for Bay City and El Campo. In fact, I don't – people remember, but uh, El Campo's last trip to state, uh, they were in Region 4 when that occurred. So it does. I mean, uh, you know, it's not easy. Those teams in that district, uh, with the exception of Floresville last year, are good. I mean, uh, 
you know, Calhoun. Beeville, and Calhoun. It was a three-way the, tie yeah, for the district title. Yeah, they made the playoffs. So, I mean, uh, there are no, no pushovers, and anyone that's played Calhoun, you know, knows <laughs> that you have to play to Get beat Get used them. to defending that triple that's option, right. boys. That's right. And uh, the thing about it is uh, – when I spoke to Richard Whitaker, he wasn't that surprised either. He said he knew there'd be some movement. But he was relieved as well because he thought they might go with Basin and El Campo but be in Region 3. This way, at least he knows he's still in Region 4. And, uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was one of the big surprises of uh, realignment for the area, no question. Yeah, and, and it, it's a big surprise, but this is one that's really fun for us. Yeah. We get a lot of really good area teams in that district there. So di- when district play comes around in District 15, 4A, Division One, we're going to have some really fun matchups over there. So that, that's something for us to, yeah. you know, we can get really excited about. And a little nugget here, the sister districts, District 16, not all that strong, but – Cal Allen's in that district, yeah. uh, definitely a heavy favorite to win that one. So don't finish fourth in District 15 yeah. or a, a trip to Phil Danaher Stadium awaits you, and that's yeah. a, no easy place to win. So a fun thing to look at there. Going down to 4A Division Two, and Mike, this was what we expected. Cuero drops down to Region 4, and oh, Jared Fikach is, a, you know, yeah. he was a little measured in his comments to you, but I, I have the feeling Coach Fikach and the Gobblers over there were happy with the results today. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they welcome going back to Region 4, but um, I think they would prefer to a bigger district. They only had five teams, and, yeah. and Sinton is not a pushover. I mean, Sinton tradition. Neither is, and Rockport Fulton yeah. has had some success. Yeah, Rockport years as well. can too as well. And Ingleside had a really good year last year. But but that being said, um, I would actually argue this district is tougher than the one oh, they were in last season. I, I would agree with you. But that being said, uh, looking ahead to going to the playoffs, you, you're the district. Obviously, you have one there with Wimberley. Lago Vista and Gonzalez moved into that district. That that kind of shocked me that they separated Quero and Gonzalez. I was surprised about that. I just don't think they wanted to put Quero and Wimberley in the same no. district. No, that I don't think they did. But uh, that surprised me a little bit with Gonzalez. Uh, and you know the the issue there, of course, for Quero too is now they have to find six non-district games, which I believe they've done. Um, uh, all I can tell you right now is uh, it's going to be a very difficult schedule for Quero getting into district. So that yeah, I think that's smart for them. Play oh, yeah. some of these really good teams early in the year. And dist- not, not this district's a bunch of pushovers, but Quero's going to be yeah. favored to win the district. And you go into the postseason and you're going down south and into the Valley area. Yeah. And until you, you face Wimberley or maybe one of your district opponents, you're just – the playoffs are not going to be, you know, you're not playing Hampshire for net or Jasper right. or Silsby <laughs> yeah. or West Orange Stark, some of yeah. these excellent teams yeah. that are in Region 3. Instead of going through all of them, you only got to play one of them. To yeah, get to that's the right. You uh, you don't have to worry about them to the semifinals, you know, if you get there. And, uh, you know, and, of course, like we said with Bay City and El Campo, uh, you know, it seemed like every year you you turn around in the second round, they'd be playing Kilgore Chapel Hill, Henderson, somebody like that that was really tough. So 
And I, I would say uh, Quero benefited from this move. Yeah, Quero did. It definitely out. benefits. Yeah, you know, as far as their chances to potentially, you know, just go deeper in the postseason. Although they made the semifinals a, uh, couple, yeah, a couple, couple of years, years ago. ago, so this is you know not that they're not capable of doing that in. 3A Division One, Mike, a lot of the same for us. Edna, Goliad, Palacios all stay together. We There was some thought that maybe Edna goes up to Region 3, joins Hallettsville and Yoakum. Does Hallettsville come down to, mm-hmm. to Region 4? But nope, Hallettsville, Yoakum stay in the district with Columbus, Hempstead, and Hitchcock. And probably more pertinently, their sister district is, still features Cameron, Yo, Franklin, and Little River Academy. So uh, yeah, have fun. Yeah, that uh, they were. I know uh, Levi Montgomery is not especially pleased with the uh, only time I've seen him without a smile on his face. Yeah, he. Uh, they were really hoping, and you know, and not only that, you know, the five-team district uh, yeah. makes it difficult to schedule games. But uh, Edna and uh, Edna stayed with Goliad, stayed with uh, Palacios. They picked up some new teams. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, they were all pleased about that. Ed and Goliad were, were pretty well pleased. Yeah, Goliad, I felt, was never really going anywhere. Edna was the one where you could kind of see, okay, will they go somewhere? Will they go and join Hallettsville? But Edna Goliad staying down there. So, hey, you know, Edna Goliad was fun. This, that was a fun storyline this last year. We get that again. Corpus Christi London there in the district with them as well. London's not a bad team. So this, you know. This gives, this gives us something, but a lot of the same in 3A Division One, 3A Division Two. we knew there would be some movers and shakers because we knew Industrial was going out of 3A D2, and really what we expected right there, Industrial joining Tidehaven and Van Vleck and East Bernard and District 14, and I tell you, that, that become you know, last year it was Tidehaven, East Bernard, and everybody else. This year, you know, it feels like a little bit more balanced of a district going into it. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Tidehaven and Industrial kind of been a few years now. They used to be in the same district, and they had some great battles. Uh, so this is an old foe. Uh, they they actually were supposed to play last year. The, Remember the, the game? Rain, the, the rain weather. delay that Jeremiah yeah, had that one. Yeah, the weather wiped that game out. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Industrial handles going down, how Tidehaven handles uh, them coming into the district. Yeah, I'm curious to see that. And East Bernard should be pretty good. Tidehaven, of course, a finalist last season. You still got Rice over there, so that you know that's a that's a fun. Di- we always love districts when we got a lot of local teams coming yeah. in. So it makes our uh, it makes what we do fun. Mike Mike Foreman can attest to this, guys. M- Mike, what was my bold prediction coming into realignment day? Well, uh, Gabe said that he felt like that Ganado and Refurio would not be in the same district, and he was correct. Ganado and Refurio will not be in the same district in, 20, in 2024 and 2025. Guys, sometimes you just got to listen to your gut. Like Mike said, this is the best-kept secret in all of the state of Texas. I didn't know anything. I had no inside information. Just listen to my gut on this one. I said, I, I think they're going to separate. And boy, did they. For Ganado, yeah. they stay in District 15, 2A, Division One. Now, this is a lot of local teams in this district for us. Ganado's yeah. in there. Bloomington stays in there. Flatonia goes in there along with Schulenberg and Weimer. Kennedy stays in there as well. And Danbury rounds out that district. So almost an entirely area district for us. And for Ganado, they look at that with over 90% of their roster coming back. And 
you look at them and think, man, they're going to be – they're a tall task for anyone in that district. But Weimar had a good year last year. Schulenberg looks like they're on the way up. Kennedy and Bloomington kind of building towards something. Flatonia just two years ago was an undefeated district champion. So this is – while Refurio and Shiner are not in there, this is not a, an easy district by any means. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, referring to Bloomington, um, you know, they, they ended their district losing streak last year against Kennedy. Uh, Bloomington's got some rebuilding to do. They lose some of their top players. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm sure Bloomington's not uh, shedding any tears about losing Refurio and Shiner. Yeah, I was talking to, you know, one of our colleagues today, and the, a point he had made was Bloomington, it feels like, can finally build a little bit now instead of just getting pounded by Ganado mm-hmm. and Refurio and Shiner over and over again. Now they can build a little bit and not that these games not that Weimer, Schulenberg yeah. or Flatonia are easy games, but it's not it's not what it's been in years past with Dalton Brooks and, <laughs> and Shiner and yeah. some of these really great Refurio teams. It's okay, it's a little bit of a reprieve. You're the game's not over before you step on the yeah. field for Bloomington. Yeah, that's true. And uh, of course now looking at Refurio, uh the UIL did to them what they had done in the past. Uh, they moved them south. And uh, to put it mildly, uh, it's uh, it's not a very competitive district. And that, that's the district, if you were around back in like 2011 and you remember Refurio uh, setting the state scoring record at the time, which, of course, Alito uh, broke, uh, they caught a lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't know what to put it, a lot of flack about running up the score and I mean the fact is uh it's hard for them to keep the score down I mean uh they, what, they what are they just, supposed to do knee the yeah, ball every time I know it's just the uh, the talent level there is so ridiculous um that I I don't see Refurio having any trouble at all in that district uh and, and that's not a good thing because uh you want to have some competition so when you go in the playoffs, you know, you're used to playing those closer games. Uh, I know Refurio will, will play Edna again, and I believe it's playing London uh, in non-district games. Um, but, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do, and whatever your non-district schedule is, you know, they, you still got to play those six district games. So that means over half the last half of your season – is you're not playing much competition. It's going to be a hammer and a nail, and that's not – I believe, and I think, Mike, you believe this as well, the The big reason Ganado made their kind of surprise run in the playoffs last year was because they had to beat Shiner, because they played East Bernard non-district, because they played Refurio the last game before the playoffs and saw, okay, we want to get to the Final Four, we want to get to the state championship, that's what we have to measure up to. They were able to look across the field – and know what the standard was. Refurio is always going to be really, really good. But this is a – I mean, it's it's going to be hard. It's hard for a coach to get his team to be at their optimum, their peak level performance when you know coming into the game, as long as you show up, you're going to win a lot to a little. Yeah, the only there is one advantage, although it's – I don't know how much advantage – a lot of times coaches don't like to say this, but a lot of times when you know you have such an advantage over a team, you can spend time working on teams you'll see in the playoffs, um, and and that helps. I mean, but you know, given the a choice, I think uh, 
Refurio and Coach Herring would much rather be in a tougher district, uh, you know, but that's the way it is. I mean, the UIL puts you there, and that's where you play. Yeah, that that's the way it uh, that's the way it crumbles for <laughs> Refurio this year. And Mike, I like to look ahead a little bit. Ganado Refurio, third round, could Thanksgiving, be, yeah. Thanksgiving week next that's year. That's right. It could be. I mean, the way that if they both win their win their district, uh, it would be the third round this year instead of the fourth be, round. And so, you're looking at probably a Mason, Mason in the regional. Final. Yeah, that's that's a good good op- good choice. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I was kind of trying to bait both uh, Coach Herring and Coach Bedeker at Shiner. Hey, you guys aren't in the same division. You know, you can play each other. But uh, apparently uh, Shiner's schedule was full um, except for one week when I left, and uh, both uh, both teams had games that week. So it uh, doesn't look like we'll get Shiner uh, Refurio again this year. And uh, whether or not we get Shiner, get Refurio Ganado will be determined by – what it, happens? It does. It does I, Ganado, their dish. I I know two of the games. Two of them I forgot, but I know they're there. Josh's schedule at Ganado is full. I'm going to take credit for something though that I have no business mm-hmm. taking credit for. So you know our good friends Josh Irvin and David Lucio mm-hmm. having a conversation. They're actually close. They've known yeah. each other Josh's whole life. And I come up. I said, guys, you know what would be a really good game <laughs> is you two. And they go, you're right. Week four, we're gonna we're gonna oh. do. They are playing. They are. They're, they're playing in week okay. four. Okay, I, I thought they might scrimmage, but I didn't know uh, they are playing. Uh, that's Yeah, that should be a really good game for both teams. I think uh, it'll help both teams. And, yeah, that's uh, that's one. And, you know, Ganado, I'm actually a little surprised their schedule's full already. I thought they'd have a, a tough time yeah. finding some games. But I know they're playing I know they're playing East Bernard as well, which is uh, – and they're playing Hallettsville, which is uh, – Yeah, step up. So, uh, yeah, they're, you know, Hallettsville's a Division One. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that'll be a good one. And, um, of course uh, – one thing that wasn't a real surprise was uh, Shiner. Uh, we kind of knew, we kind of figured that when Shiner dropped, that it would be paired up with Fall City again, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, uh, for years and years, those two had some great battles back and forth. Uh, and, uh, you know, Shiner grew, and... Um, and that rivalry kind of drifted away, but uh, it'll resume next year. Yeah, and Falls City's really in a really good position as a program. Shiner dipped a little this last year, but they bring a lot back. They're still young, but they're a lot more experienced coming into this year, so it feels like they're going to start an upswing here in 2024. So that'll be a fun – that's going to be a fun matchup to watch in, you know, District 15, now, 2A. D2. You might check, but I'm pretty sure they put Chilton and Mart in the same district. And I think that would be Region 3. Let's see. Mart and Chilton are yeah. both in District 10. So, see, Chilton, which was the team from Region yeah. 4 last year, moves out of the region. So that's, you know, that gives even Shiner and – uh Fall City an even better opportunity now. Of course, I'm sure Burton's still there, aren't they? Or is Burton still there in Region Four? Bur- Burton's still in Region yeah, Four. Yeah, so you're going to have some competition there. But uh, you know, let's face it. Uh, after Shiner, the last few years, they're competing against Ganado or Furio, and they're playing up, yeah. which they're going to do anyways against teams like Poth and Hallettsville. And uh, well, I know Poth is on the schedule. Yeah, and for so Shiner. is Hallettsville. Yeah. So uh, 
yeah, they're, they're still playing up. I believe they're playing industrial as well. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're still playing up. So, uh, I think Shiner is in a position, if not this year, than next year to make I, a really good run. Yeah, I think 2020, if you're looking at Shiner, like when, you know, a state championship potential team, you're probably looking at 2025, but the 2024 Shiner team is going to be leaps and bounds better than the 2023 team, certainly at the start of the season, which they were just so young last year and had to get their feet under them. But mm-hmm. I, I really believe, and I, I know you believe this as well, those lumps they took early last season, they're going to, you know, they took some punches last year. They're going to start delivering some at the early part of this year. Bedeker is going to have that team ready to go. He's a Bearcat. Of course he's going to have that team ready to go. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, uh, I don't know if it's charmed or what, but uh, our friends down in Woodsboro, the Eagles, they avo- they managed to avoid the uh, Fall City Shiner District and uh, – They'll be in that five-team district now, which... Uh, ben Bolt was the one yeah, that was added there. Yeah, and I mean, they're going to have to play, but uh, it's not a guaranteed playoff berth, but uh, it's sure the competition is it's sure a lot uh, more, let's say, more on an even level than you would if you're playing against the uh, Shiner and Fall City. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. is So Yorktown's in that Shiner and Fall City yeah. district as well. They, they made the playoffs last year, right. first year with Ryan Knotsman. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what kind of jump, yeah. if any jump, they can make in year two, in year two over there for Coach Knotsman. So that'll be, you know, Shiner coming into the district doesn't make that, and it doesn't make that easy, but – how much better? How much better could they potentially yeah. get the Yorktown or the Wildcats over yeah. there? I always think the Kitty Cats, the girls' mascot. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, and there's no question in two A D two that injuries are so critical yeah. because your numbers there are not not what you have. One or two players yeah. go out. That can be your, yeah. your entire offensive yeah. production. Yeah. So that's the thing. You got to stay healthy and and. Uh, you know, and I was, in fact, when I was talking to Braylon Johnson, he was not healthy in that playoff game against Chilton. That's not saying Fall City would have won, but I think it would have been a lot more competitive. So uh, that's that's always important. And one other thing I wanted to mention, for the first time I since I have been at the Victoria Advocate, we have a six-man football team. Rungi, baby! The, the Rungi Yellow Jackets will be a six-man team in 1A Division One, they have a four-team district, uh, which um, I believe includes Prairie Lee, Canepa, and Benavides. Correct? Correct. Yeah, the Rock Steel Crushers. Steel Trap memory of the, Mike Foreman. The Canepa Rock Crushers will be in their district. And, uh, or is that, yeah, I think they're the Rock Crushers. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to do some traveling. Now, I'm not sure. I, I, I'll, I'll confess, not knowing. I'm not sure four teams make the playoffs in uh, 1A. There's, there's a lot of four-team districts actually here yeah, looking so at I'm, it. A, I'm thinking maybe they only take top two or top three in 1A. I, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they actually end up a week earlier, yeah. you know, because they have that week off before state. Uh, which, of course, uh, a lot of our coaches say they should be playing that week. Yeah. And they, they'd like to push their schedules back so they could be playing that week. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be exciting. I mean, uh, I'm curious to see how uh, that goes, you know, for Rungi. 
Yeah, the first time we get a six-man team. So I think you're that's a little like just a little tidbit there. I know for you that's something that's going to get you really excited come the football season cuz so hey, those six-man games, it's a yeah. diff, it's a real oh, yeah. different type of football. So Yeah, what wide open football and uh you know, what is it? How many points at half? It's uh, it's, it's is it 50? Is yeah, it I think 70? It's something 50 at half and or 40 in the second half. I don't they have the Mercy rule and that, but but let's just put it this way: if people know who Jack Pardee is, who was the coach at UH and played for the Redskins, I think coached the Redskins. He played on six man football teams, so there are athletes on the six man level, and uh, you know it's it's a, a different game, but uh, you know we'll see how how it works out for Rungi. Yeah, I'm. In, I am interested to see. I'm just interested to watch a couple of six man football games. But it was Mike when we got the packets and we. Well, I'm mine sitting here right in front of me, and we start going through all these districts. I get really excited about some of these districts. Bay City, El Campo, Calhoun, all in a district there. I think the the two A D D one district that features Ganado and you know yeah. Weimer, who had a really good year last year. Shout out Wade Griffin. He had yeah. that team rolling towards the end of the season. Flatonia and Schulenberg, who we think potentially could be up this year. Yeah. That's you know Kennedy's going to be better this year. That's that's a really fun district over there. Quero moves down to Region Four, which is something we expected. So I just I go and I look at some of these districts. Industrial going down to to three AD two joining Tidehaven. That's a that's a rivalry over there. I I just get really excited looking so, looking at some of these districts. Yeah. It's, it's going to be another fun year of football for us. Yeah, we the fall. yeah we check out you know the games and stuff, and uh, you get to see some of these matchups. You know, um, it really does. And uh, you know, I know it's a tough time right now for you know teams like Refurio and stuff that they they have a hard time finding games. I mean. Uh, you know, coaches don't want to play the teams, which, you know, I, I don't really understand. I mean, a, a non-district game, I mean, obviously you don't want to have five opponents that are really good. But, you know, it doesn't hurt you to play a team like that because it prepares you. And um, I'm wondering, too, you know, Wagner, talking about Victoria East, Wagner has run the option before. Mm-hmm. So you know maybe uh, Charlie might have Reed might have thought about playing Calhoun. Uh, they may have a different type of option, but uh, so I do know I do know Calhoun's actually I don't no one in Victoria West district runs runs yeah. the option, but I do know when you know with Brownsville veterans previously yeah. being in their region, that's something that West has considered in the past is putting Calhoun on the schedule. I do wonder if Whitaker's schedule is full or if there's well, I, for one or two the, areas. The last thing I asked Whitaker before he left is if, if he was playing East or West, and he gave me that look, you know, like, no. <laughs> you know, he's, he tries, but yeah. uh, they for whatever reason, they don't want to play. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to play the option. So. No, especially that. That's one. I can understand that week one, if you get all off season to prepare for it, but you get like a week three game yeah. or something like that. And it's just right before district play. And <laughs> it's a Thursday night. And, okay, prepare for the triple option. That's, yeah. That just sounds like no fun. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that sounds like no fun. So, yeah, I can see Calhoun. It, it's there's very specific teams that Calhoun would be attracted an attractive opponent for. Yeah. And it's for that preparation aspect. So that's, that's something, but we just have so many fun districts. I I'm already excited for football season, but we're, 
coming towards the tail end of basketball season here. So we're going to hear this message from Thrive and Financial. And I was out in Shiner for a ranked matchup between uh, Shiner and, and Flatonia, Shiner and Flatonia on Tuesday night. So we'll talk about that. Mike was. Uh, you were in Bloomington Tuesday. Yeah. That's right. This is Late Thursday. Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, it, this man. These last, I'll tell you, these last forty-eight hours or so, I felt yeah. a lot has happened for us yeah. in these last forty-eight hours. But we're getting through it. Episode seventy-three of the Grid. We're gonna talk some hoops. We'll be right back. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of the Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. Alrighty, we are back. Episode 73 of The Grid. Mike and I were on the basketball court Tuesday night. Mike, I finally got to see Shiner and Flatonia go at it. It's one that did not disappoint. I want to. So Shiner wins 71-65. They clinched the district title, their second consecutive district title. I knew this already, but Shiner, the size, the athletic, the overall athleticism of that group is fairly impressive. And someone else who did not disappoint was Flatonia Summer Sodek. That girl can hoop, Mike. That girl can play some basketball. Yeah, apparently, uh, you know, she's already scored what over a thousand points in which she's a sophomore. So uh, yeah, she can play, and uh, Shiner's obviously got it going. Yeah, Shiner Morgan Lenahan leads away from them. A, Lenahan, a junior, as a sophomore last season, was a district MVP. She showed out. Uh, she showed out against Latonia, and ultimately the game that won them the district championship. She scored twenty five to lead the. She scored twenty five to lead the way. Big part of their offense in the second half. Riley Van Curra scored nineteen, uh, thirteen of which were in the second half, helping power power Shiner to a win. Couple of couple of takeaways I had. So one, the first one was with Morgan Lenahan. So she again district MVP last year, one of the better players in our area, and really good players in basketball. They just you're gonna have a feel for the moment. You're gonna have okay, I need to make a play. I need to do something big right now. And Shiner trailed going into into the fourth quarter of that game. And every time I talk to Morgan, she always says, you know, it's we just need to stay together as a team. She's so big on that. It just just play together, stay together, we'll be all right. And that's and it, it's impressive for someone who is the best player on the team who could be selfish if if she chose to do so. Echo that message that I'm sure comes from the coaching staff and from other members within the team. So that's impressive, but in the fourth quarter of that game, the composure of Shiner and then Lenahan, not so much offensively, although she did make a couple of key shots, but defensively just knowing, hey, I have to create something. I have to go get the ball. The way she phrased it to me was, I just didn't want them to have the ball. I wanted us to have the ball late in the game. She got ultra aggressive. She was helped by, she had no fouls going into halftime. So she she could play ultra aggressive in the second half. Ultra aggressive defensively, going after the ball, getting steals. Had three steals in the fourth quarter that helped turn the tide of that game as Shiner turned up the pressure on Flatonia. And I was impressed with her with just, having a feel for the moment of 
I'm the best player on the floor. I'm the best athlete. I need to go and do something. And she went and did it, got the ball back for her team, got, you know, stole some possessions from Flatonia. She, she scores a bucket to tie the game with three and a half minutes left, a bucket to go ahead later on with two minutes left. And then Callie Sevchik, who spent the fourth quarter guarding Summer Sodex. So she was a little gas there at the end of the game. That's no easy task. Hits what I think was the biggest shot of the game with 57 seconds left to put them up four, 66-62, to close that one out for Shiner. And the Lady Comanches district champions, and these are the two teams that if we're going to get anyone to state this year, this is this is, prob- this is probably our best chance. But Summer Sodek, 35 points, massively impressed with her and Shiner, the overall size and athleticism of that group. That's a team when they can play downhill and get going and they, they get into that man-to-man defense that, you know, they kind of play sparingly, but when they get into it and you let those athletes go and out-athlete people, <laughs> they, can, uh, they, can be re- they can be really, really impressive. Let the athletes go be yeah, athletic, yeah. and that's, uh, that's the Lady Comanches. Mike, you were out in Bloomington, and after a long delay from the girls' game, you got to see the boys in action and some poor free-throw shooting going into overtime, but the Bobcats come, come away with a win to – keep their district championship hopes alive yeah it was a it was a crazy game i mean uh bloomington what four for 27 mm-hmm. i've never seen that poor free throw shooting and i mean it was just awful and uh you know they led for a good portion of the game even with that kind of free throw shooting schulenberg had one run where it actually took a five-point lead with like a minute 38 left in the fourth quarter but Bloomington came back at a bucket, and then they hit a three to tie it, and uh, that's the way it ended. And then they went to overtime, and Bloomington pretty much dominated the overtime. Bloomington's athletic. They have some height. Um, they're a pretty good team, uh, but, you know, they're not going to go anywhere if they don't straighten that free throw shooting. The, the free throw shooting, it's, we talked late Tuesday night, and I just that, that feels impossibly bad to yeah. shoot that poorly from the line. It was just awful. I mean, it, I guess it was contagious. I mean, that's all I can say. Well, it gets into your head at a certain yeah. point. You miss the first couple, and it's, okay, we got to make this one, yeah. and you miss it, and you just you, you start overthinking it, which I'm sure all those kids mm-hmm. can make free throws, but it just. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they've, they've got some athleticism with some Braun Taylor, um, and then of course Sean Darby gives them some height and athleticism. And there's there's some other players on that team that are good role players that do their job. Um, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, they said they they had lost two in a row, and um, one thing they said, you know, when they had the uh, game postponed because the weather, right. They they seem to think that threw them off. They got them out of their rhythm, which, you know, everyone else had to do it too. But still, that that is a, a it, thing. It's something. Yeah. So they feel like, and the good thing for Bloomington is, uh, of their three games left, the only one in the top four they play is Flatonia. Um, so I mean, they've already played twice against Schulenberg and twice. Which, against by Shiner. the way, the Shiner boys Tuesday yeah. night they really handled Flatonia. So I mean, Bloomington's in pretty good shape. We'll see how Schulenberg does. I mean, I would never count them out. Uh, Coach Hugendorn over there is he's he's one of the best coaches in the area. And the thing is, um, you know that they they're uh, one of their top players, Aaron Janicek, fouled out, didn't mm-hmm. score. Um, they just don't, ha- they don't really have a go-to guy, 
you know, that when they need a bucket, they can get it to them and he'll get you a bucket. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, they're a well-coached team and uh, they'll play to the best of their ability. And so that that district could be fun coming down the stretch. So you mentioned that Schulenberg, they don't really have a go-to guy. And I, I, that, I think that, so high school basketball is 32 mm. minutes. For 28 minutes, that, I actually think it's kind of an advantage. It yeah. makes you a little unpredictable. The last four minutes, it becomes a massive disadvantage when yeah. you can't just give the ball to someone, hey, go get us a bucket. So mm. that's little game within the game kind of stuff there. But that yeah. that's how I view that is when it's yeah those last and four minutes, you don't have that guy. It, it's really tough. Yeah, and we should mention, too, I want to mention that East, Victoria East girls, had you know, they won the North Zone. Playing for the district championship. That's right. They'll play Flower Bluff, and that'll be Tuesday at 6 at the Victoria District Event Center. So uh, you can go out there, and the winner of that game wins the district. The loser gets second. So a uh, big game for them yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, big game over there. And, that, you know, this East team has been so good all year long. And, that, you know, I, Yolanda Wimbush North really likes this group of players. So I, I think a district championship with this team specifically would mean a lot to her because she really, really likes this group she has this year. Right. And, I, and I want to give a shout-out to the East boys as well. Their yeah. game against Miller on Friday. And then, so I want to walk you all through it because this is one of the better displays, the kind of mental toughness from East that I saw. So they're playing Miller Friday night. Braylon Vasquez gets fouled. They're down. East is down three with 33 seconds left. Vasquez gets fouled, misses both free throws. So if you're watching the game, you're thinking, man, down three, 30 seconds yeah. left. You miss two free throws. Probably lose your chance to win the game. East immediately traps the ball. They're able to force a turnover. They get they get the ball out of bounds. Broken play on the inbounds <laughs> play. Fernando Pena just sprints to the corner because he knew, hey, that's where I was supposed to be. Gets the ball, fires it from the corner, goes in. They tie the game with twenty. They tie the game. It was twenty two or twenty three seconds left. Miller had been trying to stall. Gets out of rhythm offensively. They, they get into it. East is in a soft press. They're kind of pressuring the ball, jumping to passing lanes. Well, Braylon Vasquez, the guy who just missed two free throws, gets the steal, gets the layup to with five seconds left to basically win the game. And now East is in a position where if they beat GP, tall task, I know, yeah. they beat GP Friday night, they clinch second place in the North Zone. Second place is a lot better than third because you're playing, I think, Carroll versus yeah. playing Flower Bluff, who is an awesome team. Yeah, yeah it would be uh, definitely a better, better for East. But I just wanted to, I always wanted to tell that because that was the mental toughness East had that last minute against Miller when East, it looked like the first part of the fourth quarter, it looked like they were – you know, it looked like they were going to win the game. Then East hits, you know, they hit a couple of threes. They hit another tough shot. And it's just like, man, not our night. But to be able to come back from that and Vasquez, you know, I loved it. Missing the two free throws, but then they get, you know, get the steal on the hustle play and get the game-winning layup. Just mental fortitude, mental toughness over there for Coach Almanza's team at Victoria East. So this was a, you know, a, for all the realignment that we talked, and we talked a lot of realignment, and it was a lot going on and a lot of fun. It's uh, some really fun basketball going on in the in the crossroads, you know, this past week. But and then meanwhile, UHV starts its baseball season. UHV, hey, four and zero, four and zero, and opening sweep. Yeah, over um, Wayland Baptist, and uh, you know, it's kind of neat that you have three pitchers from the area. You know, with uh, Mason Longoria from St. Joseph, Brady Parker from East, and. Uh, 
of course, Jacob Baker from Quero. And the three of them in their games combined to give up two runs. That's pretty good. And, uh, you know, with uh, I think, uh, you know, Mason having a little more experience than the other mm-hmm. two. But Jacob's a true freshman. Yeah. So uh, that's a very encouraging sign. Uh, they're playing another doubleheader this week against uh, Mid-America Christian from uh, Oklahoma City. This is a very good team. Uh, they split with uh, LSU Shreveport. So, and I believe this team swept them last year. So, uh, this will be a good test for them. Yeah, and this is one where UH, you know, they wanted to get off to a good start this year. They got off to it, and now it's okay. Really good team, caliber team that we're going to have to beat in order to reach our goals. So, good early test for them, but it was, you know, a great way to start. And, hey, recruit local talent, guys. Our local guys <laughs> are doing some things over here. Yeah. Shout, shout, out to, shout out to the Jacks baseball team. They're doing – Coach Stavanoa doing some really good things over there. Mike, you want to say a couple things about Varsity Cup? Before yeah, we, we want to mention that. Uh, for everyone involved, I know uh, we sent out emails to the athletic directors. We really need the, the nominations for fall sports, that being football, volleyball, cross country. We need those by next week. Uh, if you get those in, we really appreciate it. If you don't know what Varsity Cup is, most – most of y'all do. It, it's a way of honoring uh, local and area athletes for uh, their uh, what they've done in, in athletics, academics, and community service. So uh, we have a banquet in May, um, and we, we give out those awards, and uh, it's really a good thing. And, I mean, uh, it doesn't take long to fill out a form, you know, pass it to your coach, fill out that form and get those names in. Uh, so, you know, and everyone that's nominated gets recognized. So, uh, and then the winners, of course, uh, you know, receive receive their, uh, their uh, certificates. But uh, we definitely uh, want, want you to get those in. And uh, just the only other thing is I want to thank everyone, all the coaches, for helping us with all area volleyball and football. And uh, before too long, we're going to be turning around asking you for all area basketball. Yeah, we're not far. We're not far <laughs> away from that. So, uh, and the other thing is, when you get your pairing, give us a give us a shout out. Email us. Let us know. That really helps us out too. Yeah, we're yeah, so doing those pairing files again. It's playoff season coming up, but. I think that just about does it for episode 73 of The Grid. Mike, it's been a long day for us. It has been a long day, and uh, but, you know, it's getting to spring, and spring is the busy time of year. So uh, we're kind of getting ready and getting used to that. Baseball and softball teams are practicing tracks out on the track as well, and a lot, you know, swim, swimming going on, wrestling in the, you know, in the final days of their Soccer. season as well. Soccer's starting, to, you know, district yeah. play, I think, begins next week. Yeah. For East and West, they get or North or Zone play, I should say. They've been playing crossover games for the last however long. This North, that's the one thing I'm having with this realignment. Yeah. No more North Zone, South Zone. Let's look on the bright side. Yeah, Mike. that that is the bright side. You won't. Uh, the, I don't think that uh, anymore. Spencer, when he goes to a district meeting, will have teams voting as a block. So at least that that that's a good thing. There's just some clarity there, but. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 73 of The Grid, and we can't wait to be back here with you next week.